Fintech Presents, Hefa Mode Live. From Latinas in Tech, welcome to Hefa Mode Live, the podcast that celebrates the extraordinary voices of Latinas in Tech, where resilience meets innovation and growth. I'm your host, Rocio Vanera, CEO and co-founder of Latinas in Tech. Hefa Mode Live is not just a word, it's a mindset, a symbol of strength and leadership. Built by Latinas for Latinas. Welcome everybody to Hefa Mode Live. I'm your host, Rocio Van Europe, co-founder and CEO of Latinas in Tech. Today we are having a conversation with Aurora Archer. Afro-Latina, Mexicana, Tejana, in the original gang, or as I call the Pandilla original of Latinas in tech. For over 25 years, she has been moving from retail to technology, hardware, software, health, and media. Aurora is the CEO and founder of The Optin. She's a courageous transformational leader. She's fluent in Spanish, a first-generation Syracuse University graduate, recognized in Working Mother magazine, and currently host of The Optin podcast. Aurora Arte. Thank you so much for being here with us. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation. But before we start, Aurora, could you help me by introducing yourself and who is Aurora Archer today? And, and you know, what are your current Hefa moves? Absolutely. Rocia, first of all, thank you. Thank you so much, querida amiga, for having me here on the show today. I am so excited to talk to you and your audience. Yeah. So, um, as you shared, I am, uh, my pronouns are she, her. I'm an Afro Latina. I am the proud product of Patricia Gámez, a Mexican immigrant housekeeper from Monterrey, Mexico, and Hugh Archer Jr., an African-American cook from Cuero, Texas. And I grew up in San Antonio. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. And, you know, my story is very similar to most of us. Um, my parents were both domestics, but they, they spell-casted a destiny. They spellcasted a destiny for myself and my sister. Um, and that pathway, the, the spell cast was through a, a pathway of education. And my education uh, thankfully led me into an incredible career working with some of the most iconic brands and companies around the world, living and working in five different continents from Europe to Asia to all over Latin America, la launching and leading marketing brands and products, multi-million dollar campaigns, launching innovative products, launching the first innovation uh, center for AstraZeneca in the pharmaceutical industry in London. Um, and The beauty of that career is that I got to do many first, uh, both in industries, launching the first e-commerce platform for Hewlett Packard, launching the first innovation hub for AstraZeneca, launching the first um, in-country manufacturing for the PC company Acer in Latin America. And a lot of that first, I also traversed as being the first Afro-Latina in the room most of my career. Yeah. And oh my God, there's so, so many questions, so many parts I want to dig in. Yes. I mean, you were the first Afro-Latina in X. You were the first Latina in X. You were the first woman in X. And I'll yes. go back to all those things because in case, uh, 
eh, eh, you don't know, Aurora is the OG, original gang, as I would say then in Spanish, de la pandilla original, because she's been in the industry for so long. She knows Silicon Valley before it was Silicon Valley. And, 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 but before even we dig in into your tech career, yes. career, let's dig into your life. So let's go back to yes. your very beginnings. Yes. So when you were a child growing up, mm -hmm. what was going on? So, um, I was extremely lucky, Rocio, because I got to live in between worlds. And one of the most incredible gifts that my parents gave me was that proximity to obviously growing up socioeconomically uh, humble, but my parents worked with very, very wealthy white families, powerful white families in San Antonio, because as a housekeeper and as a cook, uh, that was their client base. Mm -hmm. And because my parents were also domestics, um, I was shipped to Monterrey, Mexico with my abuelita and my mother comes from a family of 10 brothers and sisters. So I had por lo menos, like I had at least 35 plus cousins. And I also then had my African-American grandmother and aunties. And so I lived in this really incredible tapestry of colors, of culture, of religion, of languages, of people that I foundationally believe it's what made me an incredible market. Um One thing that strikes me uh, from knowing you, from speaking to you before, is that every single time you talk about your Latinidad, it's a positive. It's a, mm. Because a lot of people feel threatened, feel victimized by being uh, singled out, let's say, but you mm -hmm. take advantages from it. And, 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 oh my God, I just love uh, your, your approach to life. And, and um, your... You were with your parents. Your yes. parents were in the service uh, side of things, as mm -hmm. many of our papas y mamas y abuelitos y abuelitas, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, so, so it gives us a superpower of, you know, relating to people and the resilience. But it also gives us, you know, the service attitude. That, like, and not everybody can overcome that service servant position or, or, or mm -hmm. pleasing position. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, 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 and ha I want to know from your side, how do you lead and how do you separate those, uh, the, 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 the Latino pleasing uh, nature to a leading nature? What, what are your thoughts there? So honestly, I think there's two things. I actually have to give a tremendous amount of credit to my mother. Both my mm -hmm. parents, but my mother era una guerrillera. My mother mm -hmm. was indigenous and she was very clear on her indigenous heritage. And my mother had such an immense pride in her culture. And she would say, mija, tú eres indígena y vienes de reyes y gente increíble. Like you come from kings and queens that have created some of the most incredible innovation that we are still Uh, leveraging and utilizing today, whether it's the written word, whether it's mathematics, whether it's astrology. And so from my mother, I feel that I really was imbued with a pride um, in my culture and my pride in my indigenous culture, right? Uh, my mother made sure that I learned all the dances, that I learned all the names of the different um, Aztecs, queens and kings. And 
And this was at a time, Rocio, I, I, I absolutely understand. I cannot tell you the number of times that my mother was summoned, summoned out of her service level job, as you all can, you can imagine, this was before cell phones. She would be summoned to my elementary school to be chastised and told that she is now in America, that her children are in America, and that she needed to stop speaking to us in Spanish. Oh my God. Because we, uh, this is America and she needs to understand where she was. And when I tell you, like she, my mother is like five foot, barely, barely. Right. And she would come in and she would say, well, in her very broken English, right. It looks like you don't understand two languages. I think that's an advantage. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a benefit for my children. And they're absolutely going to continue learning the, uh, their heritage language. And I hope that they learn five more, which, oh, by the way, my sister does. My sister speaks seven languages. Oh, wow. uh, but it was just something I am just so grateful to my mother that she had that spunk and she had that spark and she had yeah. that pride. And then for me on the other side, you know, I grew up with black aunties, um, black aunties and a grandmother who were also very clear with like, know your heritage. And they were very clear in saying, look, we know that you are mixed, but the world is going to see you as a black woman. We know you are Latina, but we need to prepare you for the reality that the world is going to see you as a black woman. And mm. so they too instilled that pride in who uh, our history and, mm-hmm. and the struggle, but to take it as a place of empowerment and mm-hmm. to take it as a place of, we operate in a multi with a multi-dimensional lens. Think about that. Like Mm -hmm. we are able to see so many things because our experience, our heritage um, has has afforded us that opportunity. Absolutely. I love it. You, you, you touch on so many points. And the fact that we, as diverse people, we can bring diverse, uh, diversity in ideas, in, uh, insights, in innovation and in creation. Absolutely. So a lot of people think it's a, it's a, it's a, a problem you need to overcome, but it's a superpower. And remember what you said, you come from queens and kings. Yes. You remember your heritage. And if our parents, most of our parents were on the service side of things before, but that's a resilience. We were willing to do absolutely anything that we could to have an Aurora like you, to have a kid with an education yes. and empowering them. So this is amazing. And I yes. I just lo- love what happens next in your life, which is amazing. And I want to do it. So I want to share two things. One, one of the things that I want um, that took me a lot of therapy, because I am going to say, even though I had incredible parents and a grandmothers and theas and, and aunties who instilled such a sense of pride, there is a healing journey. And I do not want to underestimate that. And our um, choice and our sovereignty to empower ourselves through healing tools, through modalities that allow us to firmly sit in that power when the world will tell us that we are not valuable, that the world will tell us that we should stay small. And I'm going to also say something. Never give someone the power to define your value who does not understand the multidimensional being that you are. Mm. 
because mm-hmm. they know they neither have the the understanding of it they neither have the knowing of it and until they build up skills and learning and knowledge mm-hmm. they actually don't have know how to operate it. Yeah, but yet yeah. when we place the, the we place the empowerment on someone external to us to value something that they literally they can't even see it. Exactly. Exactly. I, that is so important because um Latinas every single person has a choice. Yes. Do I internalize what people that are on the ignorant side mm-hmm. Is that going to go through my skin? Am I going to internalize that? Or my choice is, no, I know exactly who I am. I I know exactly where where I want to go, what I want to do, and what I'm saying. So, sorry, but your insecurities are showing. And take it from the person that comes. And you know what is, it it just should not be a detractor. No. It should, as long as you trust yourself and what you're doing everything else is just noise you're in a path of shining and and I love that approach and I think that is an excellent example of a jefa mode on that's when you the difference from toggling or not toggling yes Uh, and that really set the foundation Rocio for me to you know I was extremely fortunate, my fortitude, all the skills, right? The the ability to look multidimensionally, the ability to really understand the hearts and minds of a broad group of humans is what fortified my skills as a marketer, as an ability to understand who is a consumer that we are trying to connect with and emotionally really create campaigns, narratives, programs, uh, solutions, and design products that would be relevant to those audiences. And what I recognize is that outside of the teams that I had the privilege to build and create in four different industries, none of my bosses ever looked like me. None Mm -hmm. of my peers ever looked like me. And certainly none of my board of directors looked like me. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that is an incredible, incredible miss for corporate America. I think oh, yeah. it is an incredible miss for the economic um, growth of these United States. And that's mm-hmm. why I created the opt-in. I created yeah. the opt-in to basically bring two fundamental beliefs um, in my mind together. One, we have to upskill the knowledge of dominant culture And by upskilling the knowledge of cultural competency, we open up the opportunity for all of us to be able to thrive and bring our most imaginative, our most amazing selves into the workplace so that together with leaders, we can create products and services and solutions that are relevant to the fastest growing segments globally. I love it. And that is, so right now you have the opt-in. Yes. Uh, now, uh, to set up uh, our understanding of the impact you've had in technology, mm-hmm. when we say technology, we think software, we think cloud, we think AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the past, it was hardware. Yes. Yeah. And you were in the middle of it. Yeah. Tell me about your 
inclusion in the tech industry? Yeah. So I actually, you know, after graduating, um, I was, I spent my first several years in the retail industry and I feel so grateful to the retail industry because I really feel that that's where I, you know, broke my chops in really understanding data insights and consumers, right? Really Mm -hmm. understanding from a data insights qualitatively and quantitatively, who are you, um, choosing, Um, Who are you motivating to make a choice towards your brand? And that, uh, my success there was actually what made me visible to the tech industry. And I was recruited by Acer. So Acer is a Taiwanese uh, manufacturing, global manufacturing um, tech company Mm -hmm. that was launching into Latin America. And one, my skills and like my mother said, my ability to speak Spanish um, Mm -hmm. opened up the pathway and opportunity for me to be recruited by Acer to help them launch into Latin America and then launch the subsidiaries and manufacturing capabilities across um, several of the markets like Venezuela, Colombia, Argentina and Peru at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were competing with the likes of IBM and Compaq that had 10 times more budget than we did, had 10 times mm-hmm. more people. And in less than two years, we were able to take Acer from literally the bottom of the barrel PC hardware manufacturer um, to the number one position in Latin America. That's amazing. And, and um, you have, you're one example of many, many of us that came later where the doors opened because of our multiculturalism. Yes. Many of the uh, very first Latinas in tech, actually Latinas in tech was created by uh, people like you. We were launching the, 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 the companies in Latin America. And then later it wasn't just a single one person in the company that was a Latina. The, the, you know, our department started growing and then we started moving into corporate it's almost like the music crossover that mm-hmm. latin latino singers have going into the u.s and then yeah. we start expanding and this is when you become a real jefa i mean you can become a real jefa from your childhood really but 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 a jefa where you're you're uh, taking decisions for the company not just yes. for a market let's yes. say yes and um so tell me about that transition for you? I know that you started with Acer and then you transitioned to other companies. Yeah, so, uh, how was that? So I then was recruited by Xerox. Um, and again, it was the skills that I had built up. You know, it was when, you know, Xerox is a hundred year old legacy technology company. You know, one would argue that many of the innovations that, uh, Xerox created in Park uh, in Silicon Valley actually sit at the foundation of so many other tech companies. But that's when Xerox was wanting to go um, move from a B, just a B2B market to a B2C and also go into the consumer market with its first multifunction machine. It is now the thing that we call the thing that prints, scans, um, and copies all in once. And if I showed, if I showed you, Rocio, the size of that first prototype yeah. of that product, it would be the size of your desk. And obviously now they're the size of two times the size of our phone. But yeah, and so that was really my segue from going uh, from a regional role into a global role and leading not only an innovation, you know, one of the CEO's top initiatives of going into the B2C market, but also leading um, from a marketing perspective, a campaign and also the creation of a new product design. And so it, um, yeah, it was scary. And at the same time, I would always ask myself, if not me, then who? Mm -hmm. And I am here for a reason. I am here because I have built the skills to be here. And I'm just grateful, Rocio, that for me, 
And maybe it was my, you know, my mother being marched in when I was in my, in the second grade and being chastised and told, um, that I should just know one thing. I always knew the power of my culture. I always knew mm-hmm. the power of being able to see multidimensionally and to mm-hmm. think multidimensionally and to solve problems multidimensionally. And it only takes you a few, a few sessions when you sit in rooms with folks and you realize that you see different things that they don't see, that you connect different dots that they don't connect. And Mm -hmm. I would offer for everyone listening is be cognizant, notice those moments and don't brush off those moments. Know that those moments is where you are being given a glimpse into your power. You're being given a glimpse into your unique gift. And, you know, my role at Xerox propelled me into a 10-year career at Hewlett-Packard where I had the opportunity to not only integrate the services um, division into the, you know, acquisitions and mergers, the services uh, organization into the hardware organization. Mm -hmm. I also had the opportunity to launch the first e-commerce platform after Compaq and HP merge, you know, HP.com that served not only the consumer side, but also all of our multi billion dollar uh, B2B clients. And then that opportunity is what um, put me on the radar for AstraZeneca, a pharmaceutical yeah. and, company. And, mm-hmm. and before we go to AstraZeneca, yeah. I want to point out you were, you introduced a tech, com- a, a software component to uh, HP, right? Uh, so tell me a little bit more about that because this is what was like a first step within the company, right? Yeah. And so um, one Um, It was really when we were seeing the margin models in hardware shrinking, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, And it was like, okay, so how are we adding on either by new software developments? We were dapping, innovation was dapping into different mobility solutions. We were also tapping into services, Right. So how do mm-hmm. we wrap services around the hardware um, to basically augment the overall P&L? And then the third mm-hmm. thing was this, how do we start leveraging e-commerce solutions and really streamlining the distribution models to maximize the overall margin, um, oh, the overall margin for the organization, but more specifically the convenience, right? The convenience mm-hmm. for customers and particularly the consumer base and empowering that consumer to start making a much more more deliberate choice around the brand and their technology solutions that were not only surrounding them as an individual, but at that point also surrounding them inside of their homes. Mm-hmm. I love it. So, so as technology evolves, mm-hmm. you were smart enough to bring those insights and adapt your offering to the current demands of how they use their own, uh, you know, now they use the internet. So let's use e-commerce to yes. to distribute our our, our hardware. Um, great. Now, uh, note for our listeners: uh, a Hefa mode on requires us to think outside the box. Yes. To never give up. To learn. It always learning. And and I I love it when I hear you talk, Aurora. You say you're passionate about data. It sounds like you're very passionate about learning and applying your learnings and and by applying applying uh, applying the new learnings and and tricks you bring into the table, you get newer insights. And that is the great value that makes you an even greater jefa. So so we're learning a lot from listening at you. 
And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to offer everything that you just said, Rocio. I want to ensure that our, that, that folks understand these are innate talents that each of you possesses. Mm-hmm. Our parents did not come to this country um, without being innovators, right? Mm-hmm. That is in your blood, right? Yeah. Our, our parents did not come in here uh, come here without being creators, right? Being able to find solutions where quite frankly, there weren't any solutions that anyone was handing them. Nobody was handing them mm-hmm. a blueprint. Nobody was handing them a play- pay- playbook. So I want to offer that we know how to do this. Yes, mm-hmm. it's scary. Yes, it can feel daunting. And I believe in it's one of the things, again, that made me so good at being in the tech industry. When I was in the tech industry, there were no playbooks. Mm-hmm. There was no blueprints. Mm-hmm. My, my boss would literally ha- say, hey, we're going to have to, we have to figure out how to go into this market. And, um, and here, here's, here's what I've got. And he literally would hand me a blank sheet of paper. <laughs> and yeah. so it's like, okay. And that was my cue to say, okay. There's no playbook. You've got to figure this out. And And you got to write the playbook, which is a greater opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, what a privilege. So anytime you don't know how to do something and nobody in your company knows how to do it, you have two choices. You say, oh boy, Mm -hmm. or you say, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to open the door, not just the other Latinas, to people. And you are the signer of that new way of doing things. You build those, those blueprints. And this is how, that's exactly the key to embed our Latina thinking, our Latina innovation in today's technologies and the future of technology. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it's taking these things and it's about observing our environments, observing what comes natural within our families, because research tells us that the things that come very natural to us, we don't always place value in them. And that's why I'm asking everyone to observe yourself, observe your parents. There are natural abilities that are inherently our gifts. And how do we leverage those to maximize the opportunities in our lives? Um, Mm -hmm. And you're right. We are consummate learners, right? We Mm -hmm. are constantly trying to figure out, okay, if I don't know this, if my parents don't know this, right? How many of us grew up with parents that literally, like, we had to step in. We had to provide a solution because whether they had a language barrier, an education barrier, it's the case for me and my parents, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to step in and figure it out because guess Mm -hmm. what? Nobody else was going to. And Mm -hmm. so these are skills that we can very quickly and very readily apply to our, our careers. And I'm going to offer something else. When you observe what are the skills and gifts that you have, understand the company and the industry that you are working in. What is the currency that that company or industry operates in? I was extremely successful in the tech industry because it's an industry that operates on the currency of performance. And if there's anything that Latinos know how to do is we know how to freaking perform. Mm-hmm. So now uh, we're going to listen and, uh, and put in practice in your past uh, this dynamism that we have of being resourceful, innovative and transformational. Yes. So you pivoted from hardware to pharma. Tell me about that. Yeah. So this was at the time when the pharmaceutical industry around 2007, 2008 was really looking to redefine um, and disrupt 
a lot of its business models and a lot of its go-to-market models. Um, and it really was looking for different, innovative, disruptive thinkers outside of the health industry to come and help it do that. And so I was recruited in to help be, um, help reimagine, reimagine how the pharmaceutical industry was going to market with us, with its consumers, um, redefining how, what is the value to consumers? And for me at the time, which was parallel, which was fascinating, I was in the throes of being a caregiver. I was not only responsible for my two small children at the time, but I was also had become uh, responsible for my aging parents. Uh And so I was living the sandwiched uh, generation. And again, I was able to apply so much of what I was learning in the process of my role as a caregiver and apply it to the solutions that I knew our people, our communities needed and apply it to the role, the position, uh, the role and the power and quite frankly, the influence and the money I had as a brand leader um, in the way that I was uh, helping my team create solutions and break innovative patterns of how do we look at the who we are serving from a 360, which is not just the consumer, but what are the caregivers? What is the community? And how does AstraZeneca really have a wraparound model in the way that it is supporting and going to market with its brands that actually drive more choice and drive more loyalty? Mm-hmm. There are so many so many points I want to take from your insights. And uh, just to begin, uh, you talk about caregiver. Mm-hmm. And when we say caregivers, we think our kids. Mm-hmm. And we, as we've seen with you, you've been the first and the first and the first of so many things. And here is the thing where you were also the original gang of <laughs> caregivers, of parents caregivers. How many years ago was it that, that, that you were a double caregiver? So... Um, it has been, oh my God, it's been 20, uh, 25 years. Okay. Okay. Listen to this. And this is for a good note for many of you. So in early 2000s is that Latinas started venturing into tech. We were there by the hundred, let's say hundreds. Today we're by the thousands. We're like, at least within Latinas in tech, we know of 30,000. Now the average age is going to be women in their early careers uh, that perhaps are married, have one, one toddler, maybe a teenager. But our parents are aging at the same time. And being Latinas, we are always like, nobody leaves their parents and even uncles and tias and abuelitos alone. All of them. So there will be a moment, like you were the first, and many of us, uh, uh, I'm on the older side of Latinas, our parents are starting to hit that and we're going to start becoming double caregivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so this is a wave that is just coming of thousands and thousands of Latinas that are going to need to care for parents that were first generation or are still in their country. So that don't have a generational wealth set up for their retirement. So now that's absolutely off topic, but it really raises the flag of where our community needs to start thinking. Now, how did you navigate this world of being a mom, a daughter in charge of both, and also leading in the pharma industry? Was it a detractor or it was help? Like, what did you take from it? So one, I'm going to, I don't want to glamorize it. Um, it's hella hard. 
Right. It is hella mm-hmm. hard. And there were some things that I did phenomenal. And there were some things that were incredible lessons. And I think to your point, Rosia, it's worth unpacking um, so that we can support each other as this. And I, I got there early. You know, I was 21 when I became financially responsible for my parents. I had literally just graduated from college that had created such a financial burden for my parents that by the time I graduated, I had to bail them out. Um, in the two thousands, um, is when I became emotionally, physically, et cetera. My parents moved in with us, et cetera. Um, and here's what I'm here to tell everybody. You can do it. There's nothing in me that is not in you. And what it requires is creating the structures. It requires creating, um, the community And it requires building and establishing boundaries. And then last but not least, prioritizing yourself. And the last one, I know, it's the hardest one, at least, okay, let me just say, it was the hardest one for me, right? But those four things are so critical for us to be able to navigate the dual responsibility of taking care of our children, taking care of our parents, taking care of our communities, and taking care of ourselves in a way that keeps us in this marathon for the overall impact that we are here to make as Mm -hmm. women, as hermanas, as daughters, and as leaders in this world. Mm -hmm. Now, after AstraZeneca, you went on to uh, sit in multiple boards. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, To me, uh, a board member Latina is the pinnacle. Yeah, Mm -hmm. this is where we can cause the most change, even more than the CEO. Uh, Because one Latina can be multiple boards and the board is the boss of the CEO. So the more we infiltrate those rooms and those tables, the more we have an impact in the world. And of course, the more allies in those tables also. Um, so tell me, before we go on to uh, how you became a founder and a CEO, um, uh, tell me about the importance of being in the board and all that. Um, it is critical. There is not enough of us. As you know, the statistics continue to be in the single digits, uh, despite many of the different efforts. And um, it is critical that our voice, our perspective, our dimensionality, our accountability, and the evolution of organizations, their people, and their market I- economic impact, that we are at those tables. I cannot, over, I cannot overemphasize that enough. It is the room where it happens. Um, as um, the play said, uh, the room where it happens, that's the room where it happens. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to offer anyone having an opportunity to sit in a nonprofit board just to start gaining the skills, to start learning your way around a room, start learning your way around the dynamics of what does a board do and how does it support um, the CEO and leadership is critical. But what I am pushing for is for all of us to have greater representation and seats on commercial boards. Because that mm-hmm. is where the power is. That is where the, the influence of economic investment sits at. Mm-hmm. And our opportunity to be at those tables is critical. It is critical. And, and this is a call, really, to uh, any Latina that is senior in their company, that maybe you report, you're a C-level, you're a senior vice president of a larger company. They are 
oro molido for the board, corporate boards hunters. Uh, so raise your hand, Google LCDA, contact us, uh, and we can put you right in front to the people that train the big bosses of the future and specifically Latinos. So we need more of you, uh, Aurora. On top of that, you're also founder. Tell me what went to your mind. What inspired you to found uh, the opt-in? Um, very simply, change and mm -hmm. economic empowerment of all of us. And so, you know, I'm, I feel, you know, I'm on the third, like as an OG, I'm on the third chapter, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, this is, the opt-in is about legacy building. It is about uh, really creating the tools, learning, and knowledge that allows us to reimagine what corporate America is like. I am extremely mm -hmm. fortunate. Corporate America allowed me to gain financial independence that allowed me to break the cycle of debt. It allowed me to break the cycle of poverty that was generational within my family. I was able to retire my parents, take care of my abuelitas, my tias, invest and support my community. Now, I'm going for the next big opportunity of how do we tilt the scales of economic power by shifting the environments in corporate America so that everyone in those environments can thrive. Oh, my God. Amen to everything you say. Aurora, what does it mean being a jefa to you? As an OG, I think that there are three fundamental things. One, healing. We have to stand so firmly in the empowerment of who we are, the ancestry of our kings and queens, and that takes for us to prioritize our healing, the healing of our traumas, so that we can let go and release programming that no longer serves us. Number two, I believe that we have an incredible opportunity to reset what does leadership look like. And to me, it is about how do we embody love? How do we embody humanity? How do we embody empathy? And that is, I think that we as Latinas have such an incredible opportunity to reset the model of what leadership is now and in the future. And then last, I want every single one of us as a jefa to embody the notion of wealth for ourselves, for our, the generations to come, and for our communities, because this is about economic empowerment. Yeah. Aurora, you teach us so much. You're teaching me so much, and I'm sure that you're teaching our listeners. And I am sure to all Latinas that are listening, To this podcast today that we will take action yes this is not only about feeling good listening at, the, at this podcast what are you going to do tomorrow how are you going to take different decisions different approaches to increase your your likelihood of being a jefa sooner and greaterly if that's a word <laughs> yes. I, I i love it thank you so much for helping us write this playbook uh, draft this blueprint for all of us so that we can do it for others. Aurora, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Rocio, for having me. Muchísimo amor. And may we all continue to win together. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I invite you all to visit latinasintech.org. If you don't have an account, join us and hear Aurora's story and the story of many more jefas that just like you 
are working hard to make a better world for ourselves, our families, and our people. Lucio, thank you so much for having me. I sat and listened to so many of the podcasts, and I'm going to get emotional, but I just want to thank you <laughs> for doing what you do. I wish there was a uh, Rocio when I was coming up through tech, uh, but now we get to do it together. And just thank you for yeah. allowing me to be here today and share my story. You are a I gift. Are, no, thank you. <laughs> no, you're a gift. Good thank idea. you so much. Adios. Thank you. Bye. We are one, we are together.